one of uh, life's greatest miracles. This delicious, warm black liquid mixed with a creamy, whatever I used. French vanilla because I'm fancy and I got class. So I put French vanilla creamer in my coffee, guys. Anyway, today's episode is dope. Um, I was found out. Found out. Well, who says that? I was actually told about this guy by a close friend, uh, my buddy's girlfriend. And I think I'm going to end up being friends with this dude because it was a pretty good conversation. I'm just going to cut to the chase and just be myself and just be real because this conversation was one of the more in-depth ones that I've gotten to have on the subject of cancer and vulnerabilities. So if you want to know what goes through the mind of a cancer patient, definitely pay attention to this episode. If you want to hear a couple guys just chop it up and start talking about some fucked up situations that uh, we find funny, you may not, definitely pay attention because today's episode is one of my favorites mainly because it was just it wasn't about trying to be flashy and you know get this big long story out it was was literally just sit down kick it with this guy talk and hear his story and hear how shitty he's had things but how amazing of a person he's come out on the other side so i'm gonna shut up I'm going to go ahead and push record so you guys can hear the episode because I do record these after I record the episode, obviously. Anyway, that's that. I'm going to let you go. Hit play and enjoy Adam Spillman. Just kind of hit record and then start talking, especially when I get a guy like you on because we're live now. Um, But I got your name through a close friend of mine, Stephanie. Yeah. And... uh, when somebody brings names up to me, a lot of times people are like, oh, hey, have you heard this story? Or, you know, since I started doing this podcast thing, a lot of people are, you know, they'll watch a documentary and think that for some reason I'm going to be able to get these people on. But everybody seems to also have a friend who has a really fucked up story. And so yeah. when Stephanie was like, you know, I uh, like she knows a little bit about my life and how crazy my shit's been. And so when she was like, you have to talk to this guy. I was like, all right, cool. You know, so here we are. Awesome. We got you on. And uh, so now I'm excited to hear what exactly Stephanie thought was so crazy about your life. So uh, let's just get into it, man. Let's just, uh, what's your name? And uh, kind of kick this off. Well, my name's Adam Spillman. And um, yeah, really wild, dude. I went to, I actually grew up with Stephanie. So we went to high school and stuff. Um, I haven't seen her in years. Um, and yeah, she just reached out. And she said, you and I have a lot in common. And I think, uh, yeah, I think where she really thinks we kind of meet is um, I have like this, a couple years ago, I got diagnosed with stage three testicular cancer and it was very, very far along. And since then, it's just been a journey just trying to figure out what that was all about and figure out who I am. And yeah, just getting back to real life and trying to conquer and yeah, get my life back going. So it's, it's been a journey. It's been yeah. a really big journey. And yeah, it went from cancer right into the whole COVID and the lockdown thing. So a lot of things happened kind of on my own. It took a lot of, I didn't have any like help from anybody. My doctors couldn't talk to me or anything like that. So that's kind of where I was at with that. So 
it's been quite the last few years yeah, and no. everything's sort of starting to feel really normal now for myself. So <laughs> that feels good. Yeah. Stephanie. Yeah. She, uh, she knows that I have, I have a, a rare form of, it's like a blood bone marrow cancer. It's called polycythemia vera. And so essentially my bone marrow, um, it's the opposite of leukemia. So I, constantly produce blood cells i never stop so my blood will turn to jello um if i Whoa. don't get like phlebotomies yeah. and then they'll have me take like all these like different pills and shit like that and i was on a, a clinical trial and it crashed put me down for like an entire year just got back into like being able to like physically walk again like it crashed my central nervous system yeah. and so i was able to like start walking again getting my shit back and like, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but when you have a diagnosis like that, like, especially, like, when a doctor says, you know, like, this is, it's further along or there's no, you know, this isn't an easy fix, you can either be, like, a glass bottle and shatter or you can turn into a weapon, you know, and, like, for me, it's yeah. just like, all right, cool, what can I do, you know, yes. and then just kind of kept going and... So I finally got back into working, like wanted to find the most physical job that I could. So Dude. I worked uh, lawn, or lawn care at a, a golf course, right? Thinking this is going to be dope. Loved the job, driving home from work, got smoked and T-boned, rolled my car into a ditch, and now I got a broken back. So I 100% feel you on, you know, shit just happening one after the other. And oh, yeah. uh, one big thing that that when she was talking about, you know, like your, your diagnosis and everything is like guys like us, I feel like tend to start to feel like a number. I don't know if you've ever felt that way going through the medical system. Oh yeah. Like 100%. Just kind of like being tattled through. What is that like for you? I mean, like I remember for me, like getting diagnosed, but what is that like whole start? Like how did they even find out, you know, like what was going on with everything? Oh, yeah. Uh, 100%. I agree with you. Um, and I did feel like a number. I still do feel like a number. Um, but I'm really comfortable mm -hmm. with that now. So basically, in 2018, I'm a, I was I've always been a very active individual. I'm really um, my my passion for like almost 10 years was whitewater kayaking. I, I live next to some amazing rivers. And in 2018, I was starting to hit like my goals of where I wanted to be and where I'd been working for like five years up until that time. And um, maybe even six years. And one day I start, I got a staph infection on my leg. And then that staph infection turned into like basically um, fatigue. My mood started to change and then the staph infection went away, but then I got another one and then I got another one and then I got another one. And then finally I went to the doctors and they basically were just like, oh, you know, this is nothing going on, whatever, whatever. Gave me some antibiotics and then I went through some more of those. So then I did the whole WebMD thing. And what's wild is the first thing that came up was if you keep getting skin infections, it's probably cancer was like one of the things. So I went into the doctor's office again and I expressed that I really wanted blood work. And my doctor just kind of laughed and he was like, yeah, you, blood work's expensive. We don't need to do that, whatever, whatever, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then we moved on from there. Well, I went on a kayaking trip to Chile in Patagonia for three months. And literally upon my arrival there, 
I started to get sick and like really sick. Like I was experiencing morning sickness and then all of a sudden I was experiencing mood swings and then all of a sudden I was experiencing suicidal thoughts and somewhere in the mix of there I proposed to my um, my now wife who we were together for eight years and um, my whole world was just flipping like it was crazy and then when I came back from Chile I could barely walk um, I could barely move and I didn't I thought it was like kayaking injury now I thought it was you know just going to the doctor so many times and having them tell me like you know, you're fine, you're a healthy athletic individual, you know, these are, you, you're getting these skin infections for this, like you're overthinking. Well, I thought I hurt my back. My back was, I could barely walk. I could barely stand up. My back was in so much pain. I thought that was from landing flat off of a waterfall, which I had done. My mood. Oh, like that yeah. And then my mood, yeah. my mood and all of that, I was just kind of like, I just, I just was like, oh man, I've got some childhood trauma I've got to work through. My wife was starting to say stuff, but I was literally losing my mind. Like there was one day I literally almost killed myself. And um, some people just happened to like show up. I was next to a river and they kind of changed my mind. And um, fast forward back to getting back from Chile. Um, basically what had happened was I was one night, everything was like combining and my skin started to turn yellow and I threw up black, which was like black liver bile. And then I went to the hospital and in the emergency room, we started breaking down things like, what could this be? We thought it was maybe a parasite from Chile. And then they did a they did a blood, they did quick blood work and they were like, oh, your thyroid's messed up. So then they were going to send me off to a thyroid specialist. But then as I left, I was, I just was like, man, can we please do an x-ray? We did an x-ray and then he was like, oh, I want to do a CT scan. And then, man, that's when, that's when my life changed forever. It was right there in that moment. That doctor came right in and was like, you've got cancer and it's, I, I can't tell you it's cancer, but it's cancer and it's really bad. I had tumors all over my abdomen. I had that pain in my back was uh, uh, maybe a baseball sized tumor in my kidney. And then I had a really big kidney, a really big tumor lodged in my main arteries, and I had tumors all over my lungs, and it was probably one of the most intense 48 hours of my life because my body was just breaking down, and I didn't. I was like, dude, if I've got cancer, the, everything I read about, I, I made a mistake of going to the internet and reading, and it was like everything I read oh, about. Yeah. It was just like, dude, <laughs> don't you do are, that. Yeah, it, yeah, you don't. You don't I made do a that. video. I made a video, um, and I put it on YouTube. It's already gotten like a hundred thousand views or something. And it was like what not to do when diagnosed with cancer. And the yeah. number one thing is to Google that shit because, yeah. like, it. What I did is it was like, all right, cool. This is this, and like you read past everything, and you somehow search for the life expectancy immediately. Dude. And you start looking for the worst things possible, and you're like, great, I got twelve hours to live. Like I, and then everything changes. So yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah. you on. That's on how it Google was. I mean, it's that. like, okay, I got a, I got a tumor on my kidney. Well, if it's spread, which I had cancer everywhere, you got a 4% chance lungs, 4% chance. Well, then what's crazy is I went to, then my doc, I, I got a call from a doctor 
and she or an oncologist and she was like you have to come into this hospital right now my life i was getting ready to move i was getting ready to do things i was house sitting i did not have a house i was living in i was getting ready to work in california for the summer and it was one of those things where it was like oh my god this is really happening right now and she was like I was like, well, can I come in tomorrow? And she's like, you don't have tomorrow. Like, you have to come in now. So I got in there and basically started chemo that day. Um, I went through brain scans. I went through the whole nine. And then I was immediately hospitalized for what was supposed to be five days. And it turned into 10 days. And that's when the psychology of everything really started to take place. That's when everything really started to settle in that's when i started to yeah really just tap into like this is what's going on and honestly thank god for my wife at that point because i honestly just thought i was dead and i remember one day it was like day two of my chemo regimen she was my doctor came in and was like we're gonna have to start putting you on blood transfusions your liver's failing and i remember just being like this is it and she looked at me and she said i don't know what you're talking about like we literally just got the best news we possibly could have gotten. Like you have testicular cancer, like you have a chance right now. So from there, it was just like, what are we going to do to supplement this chemo so you can survive this chemo? And what are we going to do to just get you through this? And right when we left the hospital, that's like when everything basically kicked in for me. But it was it's very it's very intense situation. And it's kind of a I, I don't ever regret having it, but. I, it's definitely wild to be like, that's the moment your life changed. Like, that's the moment for me. Like, it's like I can go right back to that and always remember the the chills and the, yeah, the helplessness almost. So, Yeah, it's also crazy how people start reacting to you. Like, yeah, at least for me, and, and like I've talked to quite a few people just like in and out of like, I mean, you've been into like a the cancer wing of whatever you're calling it, you know, of, yep. of the hospital. It's a different feeling, you know, like every time I've been in, the nurses are always nicer, but it's a little depressing and oh, yeah. uh, a lot depressing, realistically. Yes. Um, and, and shit changes. But when you've been in those rooms and then you go to a family event, you know, afterwards or whatever, and you are the most important person in that room, it feels like. It definitely feels like everybody's staring at you. Yeah. And when people ask, how are you doing? You know what they mean, yep. you know, and but you don't know how to verbalize that I'm trying to be as good as you want me to be because even though there's 100 people around, I'm alone, you know, and yeah. that's a thing that, like, I feel like not a lot of people really understand is like for you with your wife being there, you know, like with my fiance, she's been there for me through a shit ton and it's shown me the strength that women have that I didn't even know. I was just like, all right, yes. cool. What are we doing now? You know, yes. like she can, her little ass can pick me up and get me moving the way nobody else can. Yes. But you're still alone, you know, like you're yes. still in that room, even if somebody's next to you, what goes on in your head spirals out of control to where I was hoping we could talk about that. Cause you, you touched on something that people are extremely vague on talking about. And that's like the whole, the suicide uh, comment you made, 
Um, yeah. Because for me, I've been in spots to where it's like I identified as the guy, you know, like I had muscle, you know, like the big, loud, I'm I'm the, the douchey beef guy, you know, like that. Yep. that's what I identified as. And when I couldn't go for runs, I couldn't go mountain biking, you know, I couldn't fight, I couldn't do anything. My identity of who I thought that I was was stripped. And then now I was forced to face the reality of like, you can only see me for the real me now. I don't have that barrier of, you know, for you, oh, I'm a, a kayaker and, you know, you go to Chile and Argentina, you do all the shit. No. You're stripped, you're a cancer patient, you know, and yep. everything else is gone. Yes. And you go through these these times to where it's just like, all right, like, I don't know who I am anymore. What am I supposed to do? You lose yourself. And in losing yourself, you don't really see a point in being here anymore, at least at least for me anyway. Um, yes. And for me, it, it wasn't that I wanted to die. It was... I didn't want to feel that way. Like it felt like the universe was out to get me. This was a personal attack, karma, something. And I just needed to get the fuck away. You know, like I don't drink or do anything like that. So it wasn't yeah, like I, I went on a bender, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. How did you get through that? Man, I'm, I got to say, like, the people around me really helped. Um, you know, some of them, some of the people around me, like, they really, um, they caused some negative energy my way and no, no, foul, no negative energy towards them. But, you know, for my thing, it was, you know, it was really the year leading up and my cancer was, like, basically a hormonal cancer. So the way it works out and like the way my tumor markers are is you've got your hcg numbers and for a man it's supposed to you're supposed to check in around less than five to make it simple and for a woman if she's experiencing a pregnancy she'll max out at like two hundred thousand. so i max i my hcg was reading one million that's the cancer that was in me and um oh shit yeah. And they, uh, what that did for me when I heard that was it helped me through the phase of cancer. So leading up, my identity was falling because I was starting to reach my goals kayaking. I was where I wanted to be in Chile, but I was literally losing my mind, like my anger, my temper, my drive to do anything. I was getting these staph infections that were laying me up for weeks at time. And I think the fact that I was yelling at people, like I was yelling at my wife on a constant basis, just over nothing. Um, I was starting to lose my drive. And yeah, I remember that was when I wanted to do that. And then during the cancer itself, like during that battle, I totally understand what you mean by you're alone in that too, because it it's wild to walk it's wild to walk through a hospital at 30 years old and like look into rooms with people who like this was before COVID um, quarantine is up. Can't go into those rooms. Um, uh, yeah. The radiation rooms. Yeah. Just all of those things and seeing that and seeing like seeing everyone around me just were just, yeah, we're basically just disappearing. Like we're degrading as people. 
um, mm. is a very lonely world. And that for where I found my peace was I started to get into cold soaking. I started to get into breath work and I started to really realize like, the difference between somebody coming up to me and saying, oh, I feel so sorry for you. I feel helpless for you. I feel all of that. Or the difference between somebody just coming up to me and being like, dude, you got this. Like, I'm not worried about you. Or what can I do to help? Or just not even bringing it up at all. Hey, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go hang out? All of those little energies started to really like play play a role in how how I started to get through the cancer and I really think having my wife there was like a really big it was like a really big bonding experience for us and and that too helped out with just not feeling so lonely where the loneliness really kicked in though was after the cancer it was after I after my big surgery and my doctor told me, okay, you're good. Your numbers are back. And then literally we went right into lockdown. And that's when like everything fucking hit me. That's when like it was, I can, bar I can barely walk up a hill. I can, barely, I can barely lift anything. I can barely cook for myself. Uh, and it was just like, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna go for a run. Well, I could barely run. It's like, I didn't know where to start. And my body itself started to take back on the, like I started at like, I went from like 120 to 150 pretty quick. And a lot of people, man, I would, you know, they would, I'd be like, yeah, I'd love to do a hike, but I need to do like this hike. And then it would be, well, dude, look at you. Like you look more cut than I do, or you look whatever. And it, that was not a representation of what was going on inside of me. And mm -hmm. I think also what was going on inside of me was like, not only was I physically broken, but I was mentally broken. Like I mentally just like was like checked out at that point in time. And for me, that's where that's where the real work came in. And I feel like really developing um, a practice with breath work and ice baths. I just made that my point to make sure that I did those two things every single day, no matter what. And both of those things prepared me for a really heavy surgery, but where they really helped me out was they helped me get my body back in shape, but they also helped my mind to get back in shape and develop like more of a willpower. Um, it was really hard. It was like every single day, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to sit in an ice bath. And this was in the winter time and I live in the Pacific Northwest. So it was the hardest thing at that time that I could physically do. But what started to happen with that was like, I started to develop this thing where, okay, now my mind would get, my mind would get cleansed in that ice bath and the breath would help me like let go and formulate a plan for my day. But it really just started to develop my willpower. Like there was days where I didn't want to do it and it was like, no, we're doing this. Like we are doing this. We're not like a run is too big to lift weights is too big, but to sit in this ice bath, it literally takes nothing. And, um, yeah, that is, that's really the method that really helped me get through, through the mental, the mental just loneliness of everything. And still to this day, it sometimes feels lonely. Like I don't have the same ambitions that I once did. I don't think I'm, I don't have the same like drive and, 
for other things. I have like this drive to just kind of like live and do the things that I want to do rather than like follow the cookie cutter pattern that I was, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 No, it definitely does. Yeah. You, you said quite a bit in there. Um, I know. Yeah. How you were talking about how like people are looking at you, you know, and you're cut and you should be in better shape, but you can't actually do it. And you got to focus on willpower that's something that I learned that I had, you know, after my medical crash of like, you know, that whole year period of I've always kind of been one of those people of like, you want something done? I'll, I'll do it. All right. That pile yep. of wood needs to move over there. Got it yes. done. But when my mind wants to do something and my body won't, but I looked like I could because yeah. I was very deep into weightlifting um, thinking about doing bodybuilding shows and then this whole thing happens. And so for me, I put on, you know, like gym clothes to go to the gym just to try to pick up a 45 pound plate, you know, let alone bench it or do yeah. anything with it. Just trying to get that routine of, no, I'm doing this again and going back into that environment and, still looking better than some of the people and they were expecting me to be able to physically do what I looked like I could do and I couldn't. And then that toxic shit just started creeping in. Like everybody's yes. been to a gym. There's a gym culture, you know, that, that whole bro culture is so fucking toxic. And I was like at the top of it at one point, admittedly, yeah. and just kind of going through you could die. You you realize that the chick on the treadmill that all your guy friends are sitting there like staring at her ass and like, oh, look at her, you know, and like every guy does the does the look type thing. That shit goes away when you're fighting for your life, you know, 100 oh, percent. And then you realize who your real friends are. Yes. Like, you, you said, you know, like something about negativity and it's just you will get people coming up to you and being like oh what you can't do this yeah and then two minutes later you have another friend come up and be like hey dude you got this do you need help you know like we, let's do this yeah that's really i almost took it as like very grateful for that period of time in my life because it was literally the easiest way of selecting quality people Cause yes. I was just like, all right, this is a, literally a new version of myself physically. Yes. So I didn't know what to do. Like you did breath work, meditation and ice baths. I grabbed notebooks, everything to start writing them down. Like I got cameras everywhere and it was just like doing whatever I could to kind of like empty my brain. Yes. Um, but you find out very, very quickly who's on your side and who just wants to be in the book. You know, yes. like some people are there for a season. Some people are there for a reason. And it's very, very true when you go through something like this. So it's... how many of those people that like you had as like close friends and stuff, did you lose? Because I know there's a drop off. Oh, I lost. For me I, of, like, I, would, I lost. Yeah, yeah, I lost touch with a lot of people. Um, I lost touch with pretty much like my main core of friends that I had leading up to that time. Um, a lot of them didn't, a lot of it had to do with just how I acted before my cancer and none of them could kind of like kind of piece that together and accept that. And then some of them just, yeah, you really, you know, 
There was one time right at the beginning where a nurse told me she was she was like, I'm a two time cancer survivor. And the only thing she said to me, I only had her one time. She said this. You're going to find out who really who's really your friend. And that's all she said. Mm -hmm. And man, that's really where it came in. And for me, a lot of it came. Um, a lot of it was like a lot of people left my life, but a lot of new people came into my life. So it was kind of interesting. It was like a revolving door almost. And yeah. um, at the beginning, not so much. But where I really noticed it was after the fact. It was like, for me, the back end, like surviving it was like the hardest part. And I don't know if it was a culmination between like what we went through with like the lockdowns and things like that too, because everybody was kind of, you know, losing it in one way or the other possibly. But um, it was really, it was really, that was a very difficult time. It was a very difficult time to like have a bond with certain people and then kind of just see like, whoa, man, like, yeah, you're not, you're not serving, you're not serving me. You're not helping me. You're not, you're not bringing me energy that makes me feel like I've like, I need to, like, I'm going to give more tomorrow. It's actually making it harder for me. It's making mm -hmm. me want to sit down. It's making me want to like go hide. It's making me, it may, it started to make me feel like I wasn't worth anything. I mean, I went through those emotions on the back end of this whole thing that was, and I went through a cycle of friends and I'm really grateful for like a handful of people. Like there's a handful of people that were in my life that, you know, they, it was just like, dude, like. I don't know what you went through. I can't sit here and even begin, you know, it's like people started to try to put themselves in my shoes, which I really appreciated that because that was like what really helped me because it was like, I didn't even know what happened to me. It was like, I don't care about money anymore. I don't care about a house anymore. I don't care about anything anymore. And that's what this world kind of wants you to care about. And when people are trying to tell you like, oh yeah, you can run these rapids and things like that. And it's like, dude, like, yeah, I may like look like I have muscle, but you know, on the back end of survival on that stuff, it's like, you need to have cardio for that. I had no cardio, um, you know, and, some, and when you're in a stressful situation, stress is stress. That's one thing I learned about, like stress is stress. So that stress mm -hmm. triggers emotions that are going on. I remember I'd be, you know, I live like I have a really awesome class five run in my backyard and I know it very well. And one of my favorite rapids that I was running for years, I'd get above this thing and the nerves and the excitement to run it, they started to turn into a trigger for, I have a Chinese finger trap holding my arteries together. I've got one kidney now. I've got one testicle now. And then you're eating shit through that rapid and it's like you're rattled and it's not fun anymore. And it's trying to deal with that and realizing that, you know, not everybody understands that and not everybody's going to listen to that. And you have to be very selective of who you hang out with. If you're trying to climb this mountain, because this mountain is no joke. You need people who are around you who are going to they're going to help you when they need to help you. They're going to listen when they need to listen. And if they're not, I'd rather sit in a room by myself than listen to that negativity, basically. Like I myself, like that's why I was really particular about the ice bath is because that gave me everything I needed to like start having confidence in me. It, it gave me like it gave me a chance to like 
tune in to to tune in and to recalibrate when that adrenaline kicks off, I'm not thinking about the ER or the ICU when my heart was like going out of control. I'm not thinking about like that moment when that adrenaline dump happened when they're like, oh, you've got cancer or that adrenaline dump when we've got to pull a kidney stent out of you right now and you can't have any medication, you can't have anything, you've just got to sit here and take it. It was like recalibrating that and really understanding that like I have the power inside of myself to get over this. So if you're not going to be somebody who's going to like help me with that, then I'm sorry. But like, you've got to go like you've, you you got to I wish the best for you, but you've got to go. Like if you can't if you if you can't understand or at least try to have some understanding, you know, and that that was honestly one of the hardest parts because, yeah, it, there was a lot of people that were close to me, but we kind of went sour after that. And it's true, you know, and I'm really grateful for that, though, because it's opened up doors for other relationships in my life, basically. Yeah, there's there's a few things you said in there that kind of like made me want to be tangential on different subjects. But one of them was um, kind of like the revolving door of people coming in and out and like realizing what's important, you know, kind of going off of that whole that subject is I don't know if it's the case for you, but for me, I realized that um, other people carry weight, you know, yes. like um, somebody giving me a compliment will take weight off of my shoulders. It'll make me feel better about the day to where somebody doing the complete opposite and degrading me is going to weigh me down. You know, stress weighs you down, constant things you got to do. Everything carries weight. And I used to have people in my life that they were addicted to creating their own problems in their life so they could solve them just so they had shit to talk about. And I'm yeah. sure I've done it in my life as well, too. But when somebody's calling you and all they have is negativity and they're just like, fuck this and these people suck and, you know, this sucks and everything's negative, that weighs on you. And just yeah. hearing it, you know, just yeah. hearing somebody else's story. I've had some podcasts where I've had to, like, meditate for a minute, you know, and, like, collect my shit because of, like, what I heard, you know. Oh. And I didn't have this gift, I'm calling it, because it's it, it allowed me to see a different side of humanity. It allowed me to actually see people for the person that they are, you know, not just the representation that they put out. Um, or at least acknowledge that that exists. Um, so, like you were saying, people are coming and going, and it's making it easier. For me, it made it very easy to, if all you're doing is bringing shit to my table, like, it's very easy to just go away, you know, and just, like, completely cut people off. But also, it's allowed me to have cool conversations like this to where you can actually find people that are willing to have a vulnerable conversation because they don't have anything to protect. Like there's no ego masculinity, you know, it's just like, I am this person, you know, we're yeah. all on this floating rock together trying to figure some shit out. Let's actually have a conversation that people don't, you know, talk about. So having this conversation has been fucking dope because most people don't like to talk about suicide and they don't like to talk about like, losing friends and, and going through all those things, especially with testicular cancer. And, uh, with that, um, 
for me, my hormones have kind of been like up and down, just like you've been on the drugs, you know, how, what they do to you. Oh yeah. Um, that, that can fuck with you. You know, oh, like yeah. when you're a man in your thirties and they're like, Hey, your dick might not work anymore. You may not be able to have kids anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to pick something up and your body's just not there. You know, like you, you lose a lot. And as a man, we pride ourselves on very dumb shit. Uh, how many yeah. women we've been with seems to be a big thing. How yeah. big our dick is and how much money we have in the bank. Yes. Those are three things that don't matter at all. But also having nuts. And yeah. you, yes. you were a dude in high school, you know, like there's there's always nut jokes about like, oh, you only got one nut or, you know, like, I know you're getting that. How are you handling that? Not so much now, but the initial, you know, you're going to lose a testicle as, as a man in your thirties, you are now going to be, you know, one testicle person. You're going to be a Lance Armstrong. How does that kind of feel? So for me, I think if my cancer was like a step or two down, I really do think that that would have affected me differently. Um, as far as energy wise and figuring out like, like before I went into the surgery to have the testicle removed, I was a completely different person. Like my energy levels were insane. Even though I had just gone through like a crazy, they said I went through one of the hardest chemo regimens a human can survive. You know, I don't know what that means, but that's what I was told. And to like feel yeah. like just the way I treated my three months before surgery, I went in in like the best shape of my life. Like I went in it, like they said, this is a marathon surgery. Um, so I went and I trained for a marathon basically. I mean, I wasn't running a marathon or anything like that, but I was just like, okay, right. like every day I need to be as active as I can. I need to get my mental my mental place in stage. Uh-huh. I was able to kayak class five, so that helped me out a lot because that was just like a great escape for me. Um, but basically how my surgery went down was I went in thinking I was getting a testicle removed and they were going to cut, they cut basically from they cut my entire abdomen open, the entire length of it, and they pulled all my organs out. And when I went in to meet my surgeon, I was under the impression that they were going to pluck a big tumor out of my back, and they were gonna pluck a tumor out of the center of my chest, and they were gonna remove a testicle and some lymph nodes. Man, the first time I met with my surgeon, it, they talked about the testicle, which, you know, that that is something. But then it was, so you're going to lose your left kidney and we have you have a tumor that's lodged in your arteries and we don't know what we're going to do or how this is going to turn out. They're like this thing looks like it's grown into your main artery that brings the blood back up to your legs. So I think yeah. from I'm right there that was the first time I've ever blacked out in a conversation. Like I'm I'm really happy that my wife was there. Um, but I think what was really hard for me after the fact of everything is like I received nerve damage. So basically I got a vasectomy and my energy, like my, like the facial hair on the side of my face started to fall out. Like literally my hair started to fall out right here. And I had one conversation with my doctor and she was like, yeah, that's your testosterone levels. And then like COVID started to happen. So I never got to... 
I had to like naturally seek out um, my testosterone, but the testicle, for whatever reason, it hasn't bothered me as much, but I will say that that is a big deal for a lot of men. And I think that have gone through what I went through. And I also think the energy change afterwards, like it took me a minute to be able to like get my dick to work again. Like it wasn't just like, Oh, surgery's done and stuff like that. It took like, it took a lot. And I'm happy that you brought that up because I do not get into that conversation with a lot of people. Like a lot of men just don't like to go there, but it's like, dude, that was real. And that affected me. It affected me a lot. Like, I remember I was scared to make love to my wife the first time and after everything because they said, oh, you're not going to ejaculate anymore. And that was like a 90% chance. They were like, we'll see what happens. And I remember just like, I was so scared to be like, okay, what is like, what's about to happen? Like, what, like, I was scared to be like, am I ever going to be able to have sex again? Like, you know, and it's true. It's like that literally 30 years, you know, like I just made it out of like the roaring 20s, dude, where you're just like walking hard on all the time. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I still was that way. Like my sex life was not a problem. Even when I was going through chemo, like I had a sex life and with my wife and then it was like, boom, after that surgery, man the destruction and what settled in, it was huge. And, you know, to me, that one testicle that I've got down there is like, it's, it's like one of the greater like gifts I've got. Honestly, it's a reminder. It's a reminder to me of a lot of things. It's a reminder to me of like how special this relationship is with my wife, how special, um, a lot of things are but i do know that that is something that's like it really it was something that i had to work through but i think the amount of heaviness that was on me like what bothers me more is i've got this like i've got this um so they where my tumor was i had a 90 percent um blood like or 90 percent blockage in my main artery and what freaks me out is they like clipped it and then they basically put these chinese finger traps that holds that together And since the lockdowns, I haven't been able to get a hold of the cardiovascular surgeon that did that. They told me that they've never had problems with them. They have people with them for 20 years, but it's like, dude, I don't, it's like, that's what that for me is like, what really, really freaks me out and weighs out, weighs in on me a lot is like looking down at this scar and knowing what's behind it. And, um, that's the part where I feel like, man, I'm always dependent on this system. Like I'm, I'm dependent on, I like, there's something in me that's not supposed to be in me, but it is in me and it's helping me. But I don't know like how well that structure is going to hold for the rest of my life and the things that I do. And yeah, there's a lot of unknown with that for me. And I think that keeps, I think that honestly keeps the one testicle kind of like, really like humble and in place like oh yeah that's that's just like some collateral damage that yeah i i can deal with that if i would have lost both testicles which i have um, met some testicular cancer patients who have i think i'd be talking a different story right now but um for me man there's more to being a man than like your two balls and there's more to being a man than like how big your muscles are. There's more to being a man than how 
you know, how much money you've got or the success. Like to me, I, I even, you know, what this has really shown me is, you know, I didn't grow up with like a, a really strong father figure presence. Um, so I didn't really have that, you know, my dad kind of, um, yeah, I mean, he was all about the ladies at certain points and times in his life, I think. And, uh, you know, he ended up getting a different girlfriend and left me and my mom and my brother. So, you know, it really, this whole thing really kind of put in perspective, like what a man really is for me, you know, it's like, it's being in touch with your feminine side. It's being able to sit and have a conversation with my wife. It's being able to, you know, tap into these things that, you know, I had ignored for so long and like, yeah, you know, I mean, my balls were everything for a while there, especially when you're 18, 19, 20, 15 years old. Like those are the years where it's like, yes, you know, mm -hmm. like sex and testosterone, baby, baby. It's like, that's, yeah, that was real. So I, th I really do think that having that, that piece of me though, the other pieces of me and the severity of that, I think it's just, yeah, the testicles, the testicle is like, bro, if all they had to do is take my testicle, that would have been such a different experience for me. And, um, it's, it's one of those things when I, tr when I hear men who are afraid to talk about that part, I've met some guys and they're really just like, Oh dude, but it's like, God, man, that's not, that's not you. Like that is not you. That testicle is not you. And with a little bit of hard work and mm -hmm. diet change, like, dude, your hormones, like they can rebalance. Um, as far as I know, mine have rebalanced really well and nutrition, the ice, all that stuff. I mean, they say the ice like kicks your testosterone up a lot. So there's a lot going on with that whole process. Um, but yeah, figuring out those hormones, man, was that was that was not an easy task. That that's that's rough, dude. Especially yeah, for guys like us, that's not an easy thing. Like your energy levels are just weird, and it's not it does it, you just don't feel right. So yeah, it's, I I mentioned earlier, you know, like the the three things that guys kind of like judge ourselves on, you know, the amount of women and yada yada yada. Another thing is how we perform in bed. Yeah. And so having that, I mean, you're married, so, you know, it's, it's nothing new, but it, that it's guys feel judged, you know, yes. like, at least for me, it's not like sex isn't just to get off, you know, like I'm in my mid thirties. So like, I'm trying to figure life out now. Twenties was more like, let's see if how close I can get to death. Yep. 30s is trying to fix everything so when i'm 40 i'm a real man you know because yeah. i'm trying to figure out like just like you i didn't have a father i, I think i've seen the guy two or three times he yep. was in the military i've found out that there's like two or three other kids that he's had outside of his marriage besides yep. me you know so it it's it is what it is, you know. Like I grew up getting my ass beat daily by my mom's boyfriend, so there isn't much that people are going to be able to throw at me that's going to throw me off, which prepared me for cancer. But yes. with that, is trying to figure out who you are, um, and being able to recognize that it's a reset. I feel like with COVID, everybody was like, oh, this is going to be the great reset, you know, type thing. And for me, um, all the medical mishaps that I've had, it, it's it been a time for me to be able to, like, pause and actually reset and be like, all right, I'm going to define what a man is because I don't know. 
You know, like what I thought I wanted to be as a man was this guy that slept with everybody, had all this money, you know, did all these things. But then when I actually sat down and was like, well, what men in my life do I look at and respect? And what qualities do they hold? And how do I want people to see me? You know, like I want to be the person that gets a phone call that for people that need help. I don't want to make the phone calls to ask for help. You know, and so it's kind of like doing that shift and that change that that helped me kind of get through it. But I wanted to get back to uh, the, the testicle and the and sex and everything. People don't talk about it. So no. Do you 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 don't are you on TRT right now or you? you just I am went not. No, I'm not. I did. Um, I almost did. I almost did, but. What had happened for me was I, so right after, so to survive cancer, to survive the chemo, my, my go-to was I drank 112 ounces of raw juice every day. I ate a piece of steak and then salad every night and tons of salad, tons of vegetables and water. Mm -hmm. And then in between that, you know, I went very, very like, I went very into nutrition. And then right when my chemo was done, and I went into, was getting ready for my surgery, I decided to cut all meat out. And that worked for the next few months. Like I watched this crazy documentary and I read this book, How Not to Die, which I do suggest that book. It's a great book for many different reasons, but um, it's kind of a book on nutrition and getting a whole foods plant-based diet and reading those things and reading the, like the studies on meat and like you know, the cancer and stuff like that. So I cut all those things out and it worked for me, but I had two testicles. And then when I got out and I had that one talk with my, I had one meeting with my oncologist after that. And, you know, my facial hair was falling out again. And I was like, is this because of my, the chemo again or what? And she's like, no, 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 no. Like this, that's from your testosterone. And I was supposed to meet with a guy to do TRT. But the idea of it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, I was kind of scared to get into it, and I don't have the best health insurance. So I was kind of nervous just reading about how you can become um, dependent on it. And then just everything happened, um, just with everything shutting down. So what had happened was I had a a person who I trusted, um, and they were like – dude, you should, you should go and get some really good quality grass fed, like red meat, like go, go get that and eat that for a couple days and add that into your meal and see what happens. And three days, dude, my hair started growing back and I was like, Whoa, okay. So that's when my whole perspective Mm -hmm. on diet changed. Like, Oh yeah. You think, you know, the best diet for somebody. It's like, I don't, I don't know about that one anymore. I think there's certain diets when you're like trying to fight disease, but like, as far as like, as far as like just being like, Oh, this is the best or like 100% plant-based or, you know, being vegan is like the best thing, you know, that that whole, like the game changers documentary was coming out at that time. So there was a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I even, uh, I even like, you know, kind of, I would, I was really all about letting people know that on my Instagram. And, you know, so I had some vegan people who followed me and some of them actually got mad at me when I said I was doing meat again. And it, it was like, dude, you know, 
health is like a very, very, very important thing to me and my energy is very important. And if that steak means that I don't have to rely on TRT, you know, I don't ever say I won't do it, but I'm hoping I can hold out to at least 40. Like that's my like goal is to like yeah. hopefully hold out, get my finances like a little bit more in set, more set and stuff like that. You know, I traveled as a kayaker forever. So I was like, you know, and that was all self-financed. Yeah. So I would work and save up money and then I would live off of that money. And, you know, there was no like, and anything, everything I saved went to cancer. Like I had a good chunk and it went to cancer. So to, to be able to hear, like, I see what happens with people on diabetes, basically. I have some friends and family who are on that and they are always in battles with like, I can't afford my insulin. I can't afford this. And I guess part of me, was like, dude, if they did that with the testosterone, like I that would that would be horrible. Like if I was on it and life was good, and then they pulled me, they were like, yeah, you got to pay two thousand dollars a month for this out of pocket or however that would work. I was like, I I can't I can't risk that. So how I dealt with that was I just did everything natural first. I listened to people. I stayed open minded, and that's how I dealt with it. And I know that I know that I could benefit from the, a trt um like a like a trt um I'm losing my words right now but um oh like a regiment yeah regiment i could i could benefit yeah. from that a little bit but man my energy levels are great and you know my my activity levels are they're getting like i'm i'm getting better than i was before cancer now like my habits i think just my habits alone just who I was as a person before that and what I would do to myself. It's like, I haven't drank alcohol. And since my diagnosis, I don't, I don't party at all. I don't interact with things like that. The most I do is smoke a little bit of cannabis and that's about it. So that's really how I dealt with, um, my hormone levels was like, I really think diet and activity play like a really huge part in that. And I'm not against TRT, and I guarantee you one day I will be on that. Um, but as of right now, I'm actually really stoked to say that, like, I, I don't need it. Like, I've done what I've needed to do, and I'm actually – my whole goal is to be better than I was before cancer. You know, cancer was, like, a really big rock bottom for me. So, like, then I'm going to eventually be on my deathbed again. So when I get on my death – when I'm on my deathbed again, you know, it's, it's going to be really great to look back and go, fuck yeah. Like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm a completely different person. Like, that's that's my whole goal right now in life is, like, to look back. Because I know what your deathbed feels like. I've been there four times. It's been scary. And I know what I think about. I know what's important to me. And when I get to that place again, I want to look back at my life and just say, fuck yeah. Like, th that, th yeah, we did it. Like, we did it. We did everything we could fucking do. And it's like... You know, we have a lot more potential inside of us. And I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't go to that meeting that my doctor suggested because, dude, red meat, I, you know, a lot of people were hating on it at that time and, you know, saying like, oh, your dick, you know, I believe the Game Changers was like, yeah, your dick doesn't get hard and all they, they had like a study in that thing. And bro, dude, yeah. the night, the night I had red meat. I, you know, me and my wife made some of the best love we had made since my cancer diagnosis. Like, that's how it reacted yeah. in my system. 
It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I so I'm actually a nutritionist, and I'm finishing up a uh, degree in dietetics at Eastern. Beautiful. And so trying to get to, like, the top of nutrition. And nutrition is key for everything, man. Yes. I mean, like... And this will be the this this can be our last subject, and then we'll get you out of here. But it's oh, nutrition good. is it can it can play such a huge role in your mental state. Um, some people take it way too serious, and they use it as an identity. You know, like oh, I'm yes. a vegan. Like all right, cool. I have a goldfish. You know, like that doesn't tell me who you are as a person. That just tells me what you don't want to eat. Yep. And. So I like I've, that. I've never really liked those camps, you know, yes. of this is what I do, don't do that type thing. But if you can dial in your nutrition, then health just becomes so much easier. As soon as you can actually know what you're putting in your body, you know, then you can kind of accept what your body's doing more, you know. Yes. And especially like all these morons going in like I am not a pro-vax anti-vax i don't give a shit what anybody does at all yeah but i do think that people that haven't gone through what we've gone through are idiots and they will eat a twinkie and but say they don't want to put a vaccine in their body because they don't know what it is but you don't know what the hell is in that twinkie and eating those twinkies or whatever it is that will give you cancer and that can take you out. And if you just clean up your diet and write down goals, I found is writing is huge. Cause as soon yes. as I write it down, I have to do it. That's like me telling you, I'm going to be there at five 30. You know, I, I said it, I got to do it. I wrote it down. I have to do it. And we've, my brain is all over the place, but um, yeah, nutrition is just one of those things that it's, it's easy to back off of. It's easy to just go out to eat with friends. But when you need your body to do what you need it to do, nutrition is there to back it up. Oh, and yes. it's 100, 100% can help you get through. I mean, like, if I had to go through chemo while eating Burger King every day, oh, Dude. God. Like, that's what was recommended. There's no way. Like, really? That, yeah. I mean, my doctor, Wait. when she, like, when I was. When I left my first chemo round, dude, nutrition is 100% the re- This is what I truly believe. I truly believe this. My wife truly mm-hmm. believes this. I am sitting here talking to you because of my change in my nutrition, 100%. And when I left the hospital, I was given no, like, I was given no. They were just like, like, bur- like fast food was, like, second on the thing. They were like, well, if you eat at, like, nicer restaurants, that's good. But, like, you know, fast food can work, too. <laughs> you know, just make sure you're eating. Like, you need yeah. calories. And the craziest part to me, this is where, like, everything changed for me was, like, I was literally, like, dead when I was going through my first round of chemo. And the scariest part was receiving blood transfusions. My kid, My liver literally had, like, 20 tumors on it. And my liver was failing and 
We already had people reaching out to us telling we need to juice, telling us we need to eat a lot of salads. We need to just like, like that needs to be it. it and you know, the best thing that was yeah. given to me was like, you need to overdose on raw juices. That was like what was said to me. Micronutrients. But what yeah. really blew my mind was there's this guy out there, Anthony Williams, and he's all about this celery juice. And we had some people reach out to us and say um, from his like, I don't know if they're affiliated with him or what, but they were all about this. And they said, you need to, if, if Adam's liver is under attack, you should try the celery juice thing out. Well, dude, I had 16 days in between my chemo rounds to heal. And immediately upon leaving, it was, I, I was just downing juices. I was, I was eating RSO, which was the best medicine ever. Mm -hmm. I never needed to touch a single pill that they gave me. Not one Oxycontin, not anything. I was sneaking RSO into the hospital, and like if a cancer patient hears this, I want them to hear about RSO if they haven't. But um, it, I started doing this celery juice as well, and when I went back into the hospital, they told me that I would need blood transfusions, and there was nothing I could do for my liver, not a single thing I could do for my liver. And here's this person with this celery juice being like, I think this is gonna help your liver. This is gonna help your liver heal. This is going to help your liver survive the chemotherapy. This is going to help you survive the chemotherapy. And bro, I went back in there and that number that was supposed to be a million, they told me it was going to drop down like it'd be like 800,000. Then in like a month, it'll be 600,000. Bro, I went back into that hospital and my number was 8,000. 8,000. The cancer in two weeks of juicing and eating like that went way beyond what they predicted and the blood transfusions that they said that I would need I didn't need them like my my hemoglobin my blood my blood started like I started making my own blood again I started doing this and then what really blew my mind about the celery juice stuff was then a few months later I meet with my my uh, liver surgeon and he starts telling me we're looking at a very brand new scan and he's like Dude, I'm not gonna be able to get all these tumors. We're just gonna we're gonna get some and we're gonna test them and we're gonna see if they're cancerous or not still. But there's gonna be they're gonna be there for a while. So I upped on the juicing, I upped on the celery juicing, doing all that for those three months. He opens me up. I got a pinky nail sized scar tissue on my liver, and that's it. My liver had completely healed itself. And they don't know why. They don't know why. Yeah, it's so. I know we got to get out of here in a minute, but uh, it's all I, good to you, though. So you, yeah. So you said RSO, and just so what that is for for the people listening is it's Rick Simpson oil. Yes. And it's a it's a concentrate of cannabis. The the thing with RSO, I love RSO. Yes. Um, like you'll see people with like pens that's just THC that does nothing for you medically except shut your fucking brain off. Yeah. Um, the whole plant works a lot better. RSO is the best in my opinion, but yes. essentially you can take RSO. It is psychoactive, but it's not going to be as psychoactive. You're not going to get extremely fucked up off of it. You can use a, a, a smaller amount. It's this black oil and you just kind of put it on your tongue. You can drink it, eat it, whatever you do. And uh, it's it's helped me out a significant amount too. So, yeah, RSO is 100% the way to go. And the it's juicing, the, it's, 
that's amazing. Just the fact that like putting in all those extra micronutrients is going to do nothing negative. I don't know why doctors don't push that more. I, from like the educational science background, celery juice has absolutely no nutritional value at all, but that's not to say that it didn't work. You know what I mean? Like the thing with nutrition is like, I can feed you bowl A and tell you what it should do to your body. But once it goes into your body, we have no idea, especially if you've already had something else in there. So for you to just constantly be overloading in micronutrients, it's going to do nothing but good. Um, I think a lot of our studies are based off of um, Americans and we eat at Burger King. And so, yeah, they're going to say, you know, don't do this as often when in reality it's just why don't you just go drink some juice and eat a salad yeah Yeah. you know and that was the thing with the celery juice it's like it wasn't even necessarily the the nutrients that you were getting from it it's all apparently it's got a heavy concentrate like when you break it down it's got a heavy concentration of like salts and minerals and what those salts and minerals do i guess is so basically the way the process is, is you don't just like drink the celery juice. Like you, it's gotta be, it's, it's gotta be specific. It's gotta be first thing in the morning. You can have a glass of water, like up to 32 ounces. You wait for your stomach to clear out and then you send the celery juice through. And what the celery juice does is all the salts and minerals, I guess like clean your liver and your kidneys. And as far as I know, they clean your livers and all the organs out all through your digestive system. I mean, you know, I I was about to be sent into, I had a, I had really bad constipation and they, you know, the Oxycontins, they constipate you. The, all the other pills, they constipate you. Everything that they wanted to give me constipated me. And like, not to mention the, the negative mm-hmm. side effects of the Oxycontin, like, you literally experience withdrawals with that stuff. Like that, that's all I could explain with that is like, you, you know, you've given this four hour window where you can have it and it works for like two hours. And then you spend the last two hours just like itching and you, you feel horrible. And then they give it to you on the four hours. And then you're just like, Oh, I feel good for two hours. Whereas the RSO dude, it is so gent, you know, just, I know, you know this, but it is so gentle on your system and you know the pills mm-hmm. that they gave me for appetite they were all antidepressants and like the first the first like thing that i would read on the piece of paper is side effects was they can cause suicidal thoughts and they'll constipate you dude i don't you know in the rso so man, the rso the first time it entered my system after i was out of the hospital i cried tears of relief like RSO is a miracle. And in my opinion, the juicer is like one of the is is a medical like it's a medical miracle, in my opinion, like the juicer itself. It's like we look at all these crazy machines. But what juicing did for me, it like you could feel it hit your system. They'd give me a potassium pill. They'd be like, oh, your potassium's low, like when I'm going through chemo. And then my wife was like making fresh juices yeah. at this place outside of the hospital. And dude, she'd hit me with that. And it was just like, boom, like I could feel the energy. I felt good. And my symptoms going through chemo were not as bad as like what they were predicting. So, 
Yeah, man. I'm like, I'm a firm believer in the RSO. I'm a firm believer in getting those micronutrients in as well as the macros. And that's really awesome that you're diving down the road of nutrition yourself, dude. I think that's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I just got tired of stupid people trying to tell me that they know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go to a gym and everybody's eating 15 ounces of red meat and eight ounces yeah. of rice thinking they know what they're doing. And now yeah. the new thing is rice crispy treats is every 19 year old gym shark douche is walking around the gym eating rice crispy treats and drinking ghost like, like what? the bang energy, but they're, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, so that's what you need is 500 um, <laughs> grams of caffeine and a rice crispy treat and then go to the gym but those same people and i was the guy i was the top douche in the gym every one of those guys would die in a rapids if you put them in a kayak yeah. if you put them on a jiu-jitsu mat with me or in a ring or if you just even wanted them to go to a farm and lift hay they will roast Oh because yeah, the whole environment is toxic, and it's just about what they look like. That's yes. my rant. I'm not going to talk shit about the people at the gym anymore because I'll probably go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. I feel you though, it's man. Been, it's been a little over an hour, so going to let Beautiful. you get out of here. Um, I have had great time talking to you we're gonna have to do this again sometime in the future for sure and i'm always open um, i feel like we just broke the ice so yeah i'm always open for sure for sure so uh, where can people find you online because i know i have people reaching out to me that have you know like the same medical conditions as me so if somebody wants to reach out to you how can they find you um you can find me on instagram at adam spillman six three um, or you can find me on Facebook at just Adam Spillman. And yeah, whatever you're going through out there, whether it's whatever hard times you're going through, you need help, you need assistance, hit me up. Um, right now I'm going, I just finished up um, working with this uh, cannabis shaman, if you will. You can look him up, Ryan Sprague. I think you would enjoy a good conversation with him. Um, he actually helped okay. me cure a lot of my trauma with, um, doing certain ceremonies with cannabis and fasting from cannabis. Um, and I'm now getting certified in that. And I believe in that, um, whether you hit me up for that or not, but I want you, I just want to get that out there. Cause I believe the world needs more natural things and trauma is a big thing in the world right now. Um, so yeah, just look me up, um, on Instagram at Adam Spillman six, three, and yeah, don't be shy. Hit me up. I'm, I'm always open. I share any parts of my story. I'm not afraid to talk about anything. And I also am a really good listener. And I just think this world needs more support for each other, man. We all got to look out for each other and we need to build each other. And we really need to like, we really need to let each other shine like we're supposed to shine, you know, is how I feel. Like be, yeah, be your own artist. I feel like that world needs this a little bit more. So, yeah, don't be shy to hit me up For or sure. look, me, look me up and say something. So, yeah, I'm out there. Definitely, yeah. And always try to be the dog or be the person your dog thinks you are. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah. that's the best way to live is just be the guy that your dog thinks you are. Yes. Because your dog thinks that you are the shit. Exactly. So walk around with that positivity, give it out to other people, and uh, live your life. So, 
All right, man. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Go ahead and get you out of here. So have a good one, bro. You as well. Thank you. And there we go, guys. We've got another episode locked and loaded, uploaded in the bank on the internet forever. Can't take it off. So I want to give a big shout out to Adam for coming on. That was an amazing conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. On top of that, I want to give a shout out to the sponsors, me, because I'm the only one on here except for the few supporters that we do have through Patreon and direct i want to give a huge shout out to you guys the supporters you are the reason why i'm still doing this making it happen so if you'd like to be a supporter go ahead on over to the patreon page as well as just hit the link down in the show notes and i appreciate the shit out of it every single person trust me i i love you for it uh that's gonna be it for today guys that's gonna be it for the week i want to let you go get you out of here hopefully that you have an amazing day and you go out tackle life accomplish some things and if you have a great story i mean nobody that has a great story hit me up online i'm all over it i am rob childs it's gonna be really simple you can google my name or you can just type it in i am rob childs Again, that's going to be it for today's show, guys. I want to thank you one more final time. See you later.